life insurance agents. You're listening to the Modern Life Insurance Selling Podcast, where we provide the tools and insights to help you grow a more profitable life insurance business by selling online and over the phone from anywhere with an internet connection. Even if you're alone in your quest to build your life insurance business, just know you're listening right now with thousands of life insurance agents using the strategies we discuss to sell more life insurance, work more efficiently, and on your own terms. For more in-depth advice and to make sure you never miss a podcast episode, join our email list over at SellTermLife.com. Welcome to episode number 45 of the Modern Life Insurance Selling Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Root, and today is a very serendipitous interview. I was at a San Diego State alumni event recently, and I ended up connecting with our guest today. We got to talking, and he is actually the master of ceremonies and keynote for next month's MDRT Top of the Table event. If you're not familiar with Top of the Table, these are agents that do in excess of $500,000 plus of life insurance premium every year. So today we're going to be talking about his message for the Top of the Table, which revolves around networking. But first, if you like what you hear and are listening in iTunes or Stitcher, please leave us a review. And for information about marketing your life insurance business online and over the phone, join our email list over at selltermlife.com. All right, let's get into it. Tom Singer is a keynote speaker and professional corporate trainer. He'll be sharing his insights on networking and connecting with people in a technology-driven world. Welcome to the podcast, Tom. Hey, thanks for having me. All right, so why don't we start off here by giving us a little background about yourself and what you do. Sure. I've had, you know, I've kind of had an eclectic background. I'm very fortunate. I, I started off, I, I worked as a professional photographer doing weddings and, and high school proms and college events and corporate, you know, events. And I ended up coming to Austin, Texas to run a studio here when I was in my early 20s and everything was going great. And the company sort of, you know, lost its way and I got laid off and we fell in love with Austin, Texas. So we didn't want to move back to California. And I kind of bounced around in my career for a few years. I went into sales and had a couple of different jobs and I was always pretty successful, but I never really found my way. And then I became the marketing director for a really large law firm. And through that, one of the things the managing partner had me do was he had me create a class for the lawyers on how to network. Now, if you think about this, like the lawyers want to go listen to their marketing guy for a 90-minute class on how to network. And, and I thought, oh, my God, they're going to hate this. They're going to fire me. And at the end of the presentation, one of the partners who I didn't really know, I'd only worked there about a month, raised his hand and he said, I have a complaint. And I thought, oh, my God, this is how we do it in a law firm. They just are going to throw me under the bus in front of everybody. I said, okay, Ronnie, go ahead. And he said, my complaint is, is this program was too good. It was like one of the best trainings I've ever been to. It should have been three 90-minute classes so that we could have gone deeper on this whole idea of how we build relationships that lead to business. And then he went back to his office and emailed the managing partner of all the other cities where this firm had offices. And what happened is I started traveling for the firm doing training. And then I went to another firm. And in addition to marketing, part of my job was to get the people fired up about how to really get engaged in the community and, and really lead that to business, not just showing up and passing out business cards. And I was in the Washington, D.C. office of the second firm. And one of the partners said to me, why do you work for us? And I said, I, I don't understand. I thought like he didn't like me. And he said, no, you're one of the best trainers we've ever had come into the office and teach a class. You should just do that for a living. And I literally thought, you can just do that for a living? And I started looking into it. And so that was 
14, 15 years ago. And I sort of got this bug under my hat that I wanted to become a professional speaker, a professional trainer, and a master of ceremonies. And I learned the business. And six years ago, I went full time. And that's what I do for a living. I go in and, and I'm either the opening keynoter for a conference, or I'm the master of ceremonies, or I go into companies and teach their people how to get more engaged in their community and lead to more business. So I'm very fortunate in the fact that my job is very eclectic and it's a lot of fun. Awesome. And you're actually speaking at our industry's uh, top of the table event, which is the best of the best in the life insurance industry. I think this year it's over $500,000 in commissions or or premium to qualify for top of the table. And I believe you're the master of ceremonies there, right? Yeah, I'm really excited. This is one of those groups where, you know, the more I work with the people who are planning it, the more I can't wait for October to be here because, A, I've done a lot in the insurance business. I've worked with a lot of insurance companies and and local producers. I've also done a lot in uh, some of the other areas of insurance. But everybody I meet who is in the life insurance business, you know, if they're successful, they're driven. They're doing it for all the right reasons. So I'm really excited about this group. I'm going to serve as the master of ceremonies. And on the second day, I'm doing a keynote really about, you know, how do you connect with people for high level producers in this gadget crazy world we live in? You know, everybody thinks a like, a link, a share or a follow on the Internet is equal to a real relationship. And I don't diss the online world. I think the stuff you're doing is fantastic. However, we can't forget that on the other side of those likes, links, shares and follows, there's a human being. And how do we get back to the basics of human engagement? And so that's what I'm going to be talking about there. And that's usually what I, I do in different companies is go in and talk to people about how to make that engagement, you know, mutually beneficial and profitable. So let's, let's dig into that. So what does make that mutually beneficial and profitable? Those likes, links, shares, all that. What is the basis of your keynote here? What are you teaching? Well, I'm reminding people that we have to get back to that human connection. So my father, my dad, If he was still alive, he would be 101 years old. So, you know, when people hear that, you know, lots of times they look at me and they're like, well, how the heck old is this guy? (laughs) He would be 101. And and he actually lived to be 99. He only died a year and a half ago. And he had a really, really full life. But if you think about this, he was born in 1914. You know, he was born in Los Angeles. Los Angeles County had 500,000 people. I think the greater Los Angeles area is like 10 million now. So in one lifetime, he saw a lot of changes. And I asked him one time, I said, Dad, how are people different than they were a century ago? And his answer was, people aren't different. The tools we use to communicate are different. But they've always been changing. They've always been evolving. And he said, but now it just goes faster. He said, the biggest problem is, is that people think those tools are the magic bullet, that they're solving things. But he said, people are still the same. And he was kind of a religious guy. And he said, if you want to look at all the problems that plague humans today, go read the Bible. It's the same problems. It's lust, it's greed, it's war, it's famine. You know, because you read the Bible and all the horrible things that happen to people in the Bible are happening on the six o'clock news. So people haven't really changed. And what we have to remember is because we have a cell phone in our hand at all times, we can reach anybody in the world. But it doesn't mean that we have to be on that cell phone at all times. So when I go in and talk to an audience, you know, you've been to these conferences, Jeff, where people go in and say things like, okay, now I want everybody to silence your phones and turn them off for the next hour. Well, I don't tell an audience to put your phones away for the next several hours. That would, you know, if they're under 50 years old, they'd leap out of the building screaming. (laughs) But we also have to sort of re-educate ourselves about what are we doing? So, you know, one time I went to visit my dad and we were playing cards 
And he was in his late 90s. He was really slow when it was his turn. He was kind of reviewing his cards and looking at the pile and what was face up on my pile. So I would take out my phone and I'd check email or social media while he was doing his turn. He said, Thomas, put that away. And I said, Dad, you don't understand the world we live in, right? This is the communication age. People are, people are sending me requests to come speak at their conference. They want me to do individual coaching for them. I go, they could be tweeting me right now, Dad. And he said, put that away. And he, he said, when I was your age and I went to visit my dad, I never checked email. And I thought, uh-oh, he's kind of losing it. Dad, when you went to see your dad, there was no email. And he said, of course there was no email but there's always been distractions. And he told me, and I was teaching this stuff. This was the part that hurt about this conversation is like, you know, some people think I'm an expert on this. And yet here I am, you know, checking my phone while I'm talking with my dad, who was of an age where we all knew he wasn't going to be around forever. And he's like, you know, put, put the phone away when you're with people, choose people. And so what I try to do with audiences is reinvest their mind about when technology is appropriate and when it's appropriate you know, to, to put it away. And I was speaking at a big conference of CIOs, so all tech people, and 500 people on the break, nobody had their phone out by the coffee and donuts. And the organizer said to me, what did you do? What did you do to my people? Nobody has a phone out. And all I did was point it out through stories. You know, I didn't tell them to put their phones away, but through stories, I basically said, while we're on a break, you know, if you take your phone out, you're just telling the people around you that, that they're losers. And everybody laughed. But nobody wants to tell someone around them they're losers. So what I do when I work with individuals or companies or conferences is I just try to reposition how we look at what we're doing with that phone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when I go to conferences between breaks, everybody's on their phone. It's just kind of like they're closing their, themselves off to the world. Like, I don't want to talk. Don't bother me. That, that's <laughs> well, what it feels like. And, that, and that's what everybody does. They'll go to networking events and, you know, arms crossed on their phone. We go to these events to network, but do we actually network? I rarely see people network. No, we, we don't. And what happens is people pull out their phone. So nobody wants to bother them because they look busy. And then later they go, well, no one's really friendly at this group. Well, no, it's because you aren't approachable. Mm -hmm. And it's really basic stuff. But if you, of course, you've been in one of these conversations where there's three of you and you're standing around at a happy hour and two of you get to talking and, you know, maybe you went to the same school or something happened and the third person just pulls out their phone. So I do an exercise where I pull two other people up on stage with me and we start a, a, a sort of a planned conversation and then I start looking at my phone while they're talking and the audience laughs kind of uncomfortably. And I say, okay, now wait, why are you laughing? And they're like, because you're, you know, tuning out while they're talking. And I say, okay, so when someone does that, what do you think? And always, Jeff, somebody screams out, they're rude. And I go, great. So when someone else does it to you, it's rude. What is it when you do it? Mm -hmm. Multitasking? Being efficient? <laughs> How come it's rude when other people are looking at their phone instead of talking to you, but when you do it, somehow it's okay? And we all do it. I catch myself doing it. And so these are things that, these are conversations we have to have. And I have people come up to me all the time and say, oh, well, you got to go talk to those millennials about this. And I'll tell you what, it's not the millennials. It's the baby boomers and the Gen Xers who are the worst offenders at this. We met, what, like three days ago at an SDSU alumni event. And there was, I think, 40 or 50 people there. You came up to me, introduced yourself, and, you know, and then and we talked. And now you're on my podcast. I was on your podcast. And something happened because... We weren't on our phones. We were literally there to meet people. Absolutely. My phone. So I wrote an article on my blog one time called Face Up, 
face down or in your pocket. Mm-hmm. And I ask that when you go to a lunch with clients or just a networking lunch with friends or even a happy hour like you and I met at, you know, where's your phone? And if, if it's face up on the table, every time it buzzes, you're looking away. You're taking your attention yep. away from the people. If it's face down, and this is funnier, like when I'm on stage, because I can make a funny face, and you know, you sort of tilt the phone and tilt your head and kind of do that half glance at it and then put it down once you saw what it was. But Or is it in your pocket, your purse, or did you leave it in the car? And if you really want to be effective with people in that sort of face-to-face networking environment, you have to put your phone away. Now, sometimes... We're at a conference. We, we have important things going on back at the office. We can't not look at our phone for three days. So I tell people, don't take it out by the coffee and donuts. But if you have to check in with the office or you're just curious and it's killing you, walk down the hall to the doors and either go outside or stand in a little foyer area. Then you can check your phone because that sends a message to everybody that says, our little society of this meeting, this happy hour, this conference, our little society that we're creating is important to me but I must check in with the office. So I've stepped away. I'll be back in a minute. If you do it in the middle of the room, it basically says the cool people are back at the office and you all suck. Mm-hmm. And, and I feel like personally, my life has been kind of guided by these serendipitous opportunities where I'm open to speaking with somebody and you know, opportunity comes from that. And if I was closed off, you know, it, it wouldn't have happened. And that, that's so important in business every single day to just to be aware of that. And so I, I guess my next question to you is how can people connect with other people in a gadget friendly world? What what are you teaching besides put the phone away and talk to people? The big complaint I hear from a lot of people is they say, Tom, this is easy for you because you're an extrovert. And if you spent any time with me, you know, it's true. I like being around people. I'm happy to go to the San Diego State alumni gathering because I'm going to meet you know, there's 50 people. I'm not going to meet 50, but I'm going to meet five or 10 people. And one or two of them are going to be interesting. And boom, you're one of them. All of a sudden, I'm on your podcast. Mm-hmm. But I like to do that. So I like to talk to people. So people go, well, you know, this whole thing about networking, it's all for the extroverts. Well, I'm going to tell you a little secret, Jeff, and to all of your listeners. Introverts are better networkers. And usually when I say that, people kind of go like, what? But it's because if an introvert can get past the fear and the trepidation of the whole networking event, networkers will ask more questions because they don't naturally want to run out and talk about themselves. Hi, I'm Tom and, you know, I've written 11 books and blah, 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 blah. So they don't want to do that. They're uncomfortable just blurting that stuff out. And the other thing is the introvert extrovert thing. It's not about liking people. My wife is an introvert. She loves people. She just doesn't want 500 of them dropped on her at a cocktail party at one time. Mm hmm. So it's really about where do you get your energy? Those types of events can be very draining for introverts to be around a lot of people to have to sort of be on. It's just, it drains their energy. Now the flip side is I get my energy from being in those situations. So one of the things I teach people is be honest with yourself. Just be true to yourself. If you know you're more introverted and you don't like those events, then maybe you don't go. But if you do go, Come up with some tricks and some tips that get you going. So one thing to do is just remind yourself when you're having a conversation with one person. So you and I were having a conversation. There were 50 people in the room. If I was more introverted, all I have to do is remind myself, I'm just here with Jeff. The other 48 people can vanish from your site. And then it's not as draining. If you feel like you have to meet everybody or you're just overwhelmed by it, it's it's harder. The other thing is plan for it. If you know you're going to go to some sort of a networking event or you're going to be at a conference for a few days, schedule that downtime so you can recharge your batteries. And that's really kind of an important piece is you have to know yourself. And we're all different. You know, I mean, if I put 14 of us in a room, I'm going to have 14 different attitudes about going to a networking event. So 
it's not that, well, it's easier for the extrovert. It's still work and it's still hard. For me, it's fun, but I still have to like, you know, find the people who are, you know, looking like they want to have a conversation. And the truth is not everybody's going to like you. You're, and there's not a reason that you need to take a conversation further. I always call it like the old TV show, Love Connection. You are not going to have a love connection with everybody you meet at a networking event. And that's totally okay. Just, you know, move on to the next person. Don't overthink it. And if you get the vibe that they don't like you, you know, I mean, your mother would be pissed that they don't like you, but <laughs> get past it. So what I try to teach people is put the gadgets away at the appropriate time. It doesn't mean turn them off the whole time, whatever, but know that when you're with people, you have to choose people and then ask questions. This is why introverts are better networkers. They'll ask a lot of questions. And then when the other person is talking, the introvert will listen. And if they actually listen, they're going to come up with ways that they can maybe help that person. Maybe there's somebody they could introduce them to. The problem with extroverts, and I struggle with this, is that when the other person's talking, the extrovert's thinking, well, what can I say next? And they're not really hearing. And so I have to learn as an extrovert to be more attentive to listen and to think through the next step. If I ask somebody, hey, Jeff, what's your biggest challenge in your business? And you give me an answer. The truth is, it might be totally out of my area to help you. My answer might be, wow, that's a big challenge, Jeff. Good luck. You might tell me what your biggest challenge is, and poof, I know the answer. You know, it's like, wow. So we discovered when we met that, you know, we live four blocks away, and you have a young child and another one about to be born. Well, guess what? I have a 13-year-old daughter who wants to babysit. You know, all of a sudden, by listening, I, I might have found one of your problems, as you might need a babysitter sometime. Well, guess what? I might have that as an answer. So I can connect those dots. And the same thing can be true in business. It can be true with introducing them to, to people in the social life. So you have to be listening rather than just, you know, thinking about what's my next tweet or what am I going to say next? Absolutely. And, and a big a big thing that people probably don't know about me because I teach all these online marketing strategies, sales strategies and everything is that every big relationship or opportunity I've had has all been in person, every single one of them. And while, you know, I, well, I market online and do all this stuff and you know how you talk about connecting people in a gadget friendly world. It's not just about likes, shares, tweets, whatever <laughs> like, it like is. Share or follow. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> you know, it's, it, it goes beyond that. That's just a conversation starter. It's kind of a, Hey, nice to meet you. In my opinion is how I treat that stuff. And you know, everything that happens online is taken offline. Yes, I run an online life insurance business, but it, you know, all the trust and all the business decisions, all the big opportunities all happen offline, but they all start online for me. Well, and you bring up a really good point. And I'm sure there are online relationships that bring you little opportunities and you right. never have to create a relationship with somebody. But you bring up a really interesting point, And that is that the really big stuff comes from building that long-term mutually beneficial relationship. And we live in a world where, and I, I've gotten to know your stuff, you're not hyping the social media stuff, you're using it as a tool, which mm -hmm. is all that it is. This is the whole thing. It is not a magic bullet. The social media and, and the online stuff, it's a tool to help advance, you know, connections and, and relationships and all this, but it's not an answer. It's not a replacement for human to human networking. I get the question all the time where people say, well, what's better in-person networking or online networking? And I said, there's, there's this, it's not two different things. There's not online networking and in-person networking. There's a big umbrella that's called networking, you know, and that's what it is. And here's another thing. 
there's a lot of misconceptions about what networking is. And if I was to get 10 of your listeners into a room and I was to say, tell me what it is, I'd get 10 different answers. Some would be positive, some would be negative, and others would be indifferent. But here's the definition. If you, I looked this up online and there's a couple different places you can find similar type definitions. The definition of networking is the creation of long-term and mutually beneficial relationships where everyone involved in those relationships succeeds more because of it than they would without. And the key to that is long-term and mutually beneficial. So if you're looking out for me and I'm looking out for you, you know, I might give you a few more opportunities up front, but someday you're going to give one to me if I'm not keeping score. All of a sudden, we both are more successful because of it. And what happens is, is people try to keep score. They think, well, I gave Jeff mm-hmm. two leads and Jeff gave me no leads. Well, I, everybody I know might need life insurance. However, not everybody you know needs to hire a speaker or a master of ceremonies. So you can't keep score because it's not it's not a fair way to, to see if a relationship is working. So, you know, what I think for people, and especially in services business like life insurance, I think one of the smartest things people can do is go out and just serve. If you're trying to keep score, you're going to lose. If you're trying to find the greatest gadget or the greatest online tool, you're going to lose. Go out and serve. Be a provider of information. If somebody asks you for a favor and you can do it, do it. And all of a sudden, you're going to find more referrals coming at you than you know what to do with. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. One of the things that I've learned this past year, um, doing the podcast, being on Cell Term Life, just talking with lots of people, is acting as a connector. So when I'm networking, I always think, who can I introduce this person to? That would be a great connection, a mutually beneficial connection. Doesn't have to be me because right now it m- might not be a good connection for us too. But, you know, I always think that way. So if I, if somebody says something like, oh, talk to so-and-so and make an introduction. So, and it's so easy. Yeah. I had a friend one time tell me that after his company meeting, the speaker was kind of awful. Mm-hmm. And he said, wow, we probably should have hired you. And I said, wow, I wish you had. I said, who made the decision? Thinking there was like some committee or like the president of his company. And he said, I did. And I said, you hired the speaker for your event and never even talked to me. And he said, yeah, I kind of forgot you did this. And I looked at him. I said, how many professional speaker friends do you have? Because I knew the answer was probably one. And it was. <laughs> and I go, you know, one person who does this, you were hiring a speaker and it didn't cross your mind to hire me. And he, he chuckled and said, yeah, it never crossed my mind. But the truth was, he's one of those people who others don't cross his mind necessarily. And that's the thing is, is how do you get to the point where you're always trying to connect those dots and put the right person in? Those are the people who have unlimited opportunities over a lifetime. Absolutely. I've I've just realized that recently. I wish I would have known this information a long time ago. Playing connector, just connecting people, it does come back. It will come back. People will think of you. You'll be top of mind. And that's and that's networking in my opinion. You're right. And everybody's heard of the, the, the famous sort of the legend author and speaker, Zig Ziglar. Mm-hmm. And Zig Ziglar, you know, he had a saying, he's a, if you search his name under quotes, I mean, they have entire books of Zig Ziglar quotes. But the best line he ever had was, you can have anything you want in the world, in your life, if you just help other people get what they want. That was it. That was the advice. Just go out and help people get what they want. And guess what? People are going to bring you what you want because they're going to want to get in your sphere of influence. So... What are your platforms right now? I know you have the podcast and I know you have your, your speaking and I think you have almost a, uh, you have a service around that. I, I forget what it's called. Can you remind me? 
So I, I do a thing around the speaking called the Conference Catalyst. That's it. And what it is, all of your listeners have gone to these great events. And the problem with events is, is the main reason people go across industry lines is for the networking opportunities. But once they get there, they suck at it. They sit with their friends. They're always on their phones. And they don't do the things necessary to actually make any type of foundational conversation that could lead to a long-term mutually beneficial relationship. So I am either the opening keynote speaker or I'm the master of ceremonies. And when I'm the master of ceremonies, I just bring my keynote, my hour to hour and a half keynote, and I give little chunks of it every morning, every afternoon. I don't take up a lot of time, but I do a little five-minute vignette here and there where I talk about how do we maximize this conference so that it's the best experience you've ever had at a live event. And the audiences get really excited about it. So I, I call it being the conference catalyst because it changes the way people behave at events which means they meet more people, they have more fun, and the meeting planners love it because they're more apt to come back to the event and bring friends with them. Absolutely. And that's what you're doing for Top of the Table in October, right? Yeah. So I am the master of ceremonies and I'm doing a, a keynote. And so it's, I'm kind of weaved into the whole several day event. And what I hope to bring to, to that group is just a level of excitement. I mean, these are the top producers in your business. I mean, these people know how to network, but at the end of the day, you know, everybody can use sort of that, that little booster and some fresh ideas. And I like to believe, and I, and I hear this from my audiences and the people that I coach with, that, you know, I bring it in a way that they think, oh, I could totally be doing that. Nobody's phrased it that way to me before. So that's really my main business when you talk about your platform. My, my speaking and training and being a master of ceremonies is, is the majority of the way, you know, I pay for dinner for the kids. And then in addition to that, I do some one-on-one -on -one coaching. Uh, I've written 11 books on the power of business relationships, on presentation skills and entrepreneurship. Uh, I just wrote one on legal marketing. And there's another one on entrepreneurship that's our career stuff that's out there as well. So I've written a bunch of books. But really, my main focus is, is the speaking. And then I have this Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast where I interview entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, business leaders, really anybody who has that entrepreneurial spirit that can just sort of share their path their journey. And my hope is just to inspire people with those interviews. And you were episode number 101. Yep. You guys can check that out if you want. I'll link to it in the show notes as well. That's awesome. So cool things entrepreneurs do is there, I know it's on iTunes. Is there a website for it or is it? So just tomsinger.com. I'm actually okay. trying to build out a permanent website for it. You know, I've done 101 episodes now and I never did build out the webpage for the podcast because it's never been intended to be its own business. It's always been just a vehicle to, to sort of inspire people. So iTunes has been my main distribution. That being said, I think I read a stat the other day that 85% of all podcasts are listened to on iTunes. That's crazy. So I didn't feel real bad that I haven't gotten around to finishing the website out. So it's, yeah. it's all good. But you can find it on TomSinger.com. Awesome. Well, Tom, thanks so much for sharing all your wisdom with us. And hopefully some of our listeners will, will get to meet you at Top of the Table in October and hopefully have you back on the show soon. I would love that. And, and the fact that we're neighbors, I think, is like a cool bonus to having run into you. I'll, I'll probably see you at the local supermarket or, or Starbucks pretty soon. Yeah, I'm just going to run down the street with my mic next time, okay? That, that's great. You can just interview me in the parking lot. <laughs> no, actually, no, because it's 106 degrees in Austin, Texas. Too. I know. I don't want to be in the parking lot very long. That's funny. All right. All right, Tom. Thanks so much. Hey, thank you. To join the conversation and learn how to use modern techniques to sell more life insurance, work more efficiently, and on your own terms, head over to SellTermLife.com and join our email list. We'll see you next time on another value-packed episode of the Modern Life Insurance Selling Podcast. Mm -hmm.